0: Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the most unusual podcast that we're probably ever going to do for the Tulsa Life Podcast because today you only get me. So Erin Catron is going to sit here for about 20 minutes and tell a little bit about kind of our backstory of who I am, how I uh, got to the place where I am today, which obviously is not my final destination, but here we are in Tulsa and we're running a pretty successful real estate brokerage. But that's really not the whole story. I think a lot of times people can see, you know, the here and the now and just assume that something along the way has given me an advantage or, you know, maybe an inheritance, maybe somebody helped me get this business started. But the truth of it is is that it was hard. And we just recently did some goal setting. It's it's December of 2023 and everybody's always looking ahead for the next year. So at the end of the year, it's a great time to kind of reflect. See where we've, what we've done, where we've been, and then also look forward, you know, to what we're we're hoping to do. And so casting that vision, understanding, you know, the mission, understanding why we're doing it is really important. So the other day when we were doing our goal setting session with the team, I actually shared a little bit of my story that I don't think that I share that that frequently. So I thought it would kind of give you a little bit of insight today to kind of know a little bit more about me. So uh, born and raised in Stillwater, Oklahoma, really rural area outside of Stillwater, uh, out in the country. We lived on 160 acres, and I grew up really with, we didn't have a lot, but we had a big family. I'm one of six, and I'm second in line out of those six. And we were kind of staggered. Uh, we had kind of one group that was an older group, and then mom and dad uh, later on had you know kids later when we were kind of grown up, I would say. So my youngest sister was a kindergartner when my older sister was a senior. So that kind of gives you the the range there of how, how much of a range there was, about 12 years, 14 years, I think, uh, from the oldest to the youngest. And growing up in rural Oklahoma gives you a lot of perspective. So I was actually... In a small school called Ripley, which is near and dear to my heart still, and my mom actually is the school counselor at Ripley, and uh, my other sister was was a counselor that helped out a lot at Ripley too before she moved out of the area, and it's just a really cool community, but a very poor community, and somewhere that you know when you're in that environment, you don't even understand sometimes like how devastating it is to some of those families there, and so that perspective has really helped me a lot throughout my life, but we we moved to. F- we moved to a uh, Dallas area when I was in kindergarten. And shortly after moving to Dallas, my dad uh, lost his job. And I was 5 years old when we moved, and that was one of those things that you just don't you can't comprehend what's going on in your family and you know why certain things are, but I can I do remember really great times and my mom did a great job of making everything fun and trying to like always look on the bright side of things. So I remember times that we didn't have a family vehicle. Like we rode our bikes to the grocery store, put groceries on our handlebars. We ate a lot of red beans and rice. Um, mom had to budget like a crazy woman just to make sure that we had food you know, to eat. And so that was something growing up that we didn't actually even see that it was that hard. But my parents did a great job of providing and a really great job of not making it you know, a stressful environment for us. So I'm super grateful for that. Fast forward, we moved back uh, to what we so lovingly call the farm. And that is our family uh, land outside of Stillwater. And so we moved back to the farm. And then I finished out high school at Ripley. So we lived in Dallas area for five years, moved back. And through that time, you know, just learned a lot of really cool things. I was in FFA. If you don't know what FFA is, that is Future Farmers of America. Yes, me, I was a Future Farmer of America, but I went on the non-traditional side of things and I had some really great role models, you know, growing up. And one of them was my FFA advisor and got me plugged into parliamentary procedure, which is running meetings and public speaking, which I use all the time now, and just that non-traditional side that I was able to develop a lot of skills that maybe if I'd been at a different school, I wouldn't have. And so I'm just so grateful for the opportunities, even as limited as they might be, that I was able to take advantage of. Also being from a small school, um, my grandpa told me that when he was a professor, he was a professor at OSU and at OBU. And he would always tell me, Aaron, Aaron, being from a small school is an advantage. And it's really cool because you can always tell the kids from the big schools, sometimes they come in a little bit more prepared. Sometimes they you know, know how to study. They have better habits. They've been in these environments that they're more equipped for large classrooms, uh, that type of thing. But he said the kids from the small schools are so much more personable. And they will come and ask for help. And they will get to know their professors. And he said you can always tell the kids from the small schools. So, Everything that we did, I tried to always try to look at the benefits and advantages that I could find from being in situations that maybe I didn't have any control over or it's just the way that it was. Um, so after graduating from Ripley, I went to OSU. And I was get made fun of because I was valedictorian of my senior class. And we had the largest class ever to graduate at to that point with 43 people. And we also had like four valedictorians. So my husband always says, oh, congratulations, you were top 10 and you were valedictorian. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? It worked out and I got a scholarship and I got to go to OSU and it was a great experience. I got to join a sorority. I had my school paid for, so therefore it allowed me to be able to open up other doors of things that I had to pay for out of my own pocket, had a job and you know, really had to understand the value of of earning a living, going to school, and also doing things socially that were important to me. So that was also something that was an advantage from coming from a small school that we had the ability to get scholarships in that way. So I'm very, very grateful for that as well. I did not graduate from OSU, and I am the only one out of six in my family that failed to graduate college. So that's also something that I look at now on the other side of that is not a failure but something that I also learn from and that I can encourage other people to finish and don't don't waste, you know, scholarships, don't waste that money. You know, when you get on the other side you're like, "Oh my gosh, all that money that I threw away and I don't have a don't have a degree." But I also know that I can encourage people who don't have degrees and who haven't finished school and you can still be successful and that doesn't have to define you. It doesn't have to, you know, ruin anything for you, there's still opportunities in every single thing that you're doing. So I kind of hang my hat on that now that I'm one of six and I'm the only one who didn't graduate. But um, I also think that, you know, I I I don't feel like a failure. So we'll just say that. So after college, um, moved to the Owasso area and got my Licensed to do massage therapy because I was working at a day spa at the front desk, and I thought, man, these girls are making a lot of money. I can do this. I went and got my massage therapist license. I was still trying to figure out what I was doing with my life and finding my way, and did that for a couple of years. I actually loved it. Worked at the day spa. Um, I was young. I could make my own, you know, schedule, and it was a lot of fun. And so I did that for a couple of years, and then I met my now husband Dirk, and. He actually had businesses that he owned. Uh, they were the car businesses. He had a dealership in Pryor. He had a dealership in Vanita. And then he had, a other, he had a couple other like smaller uh, car lots in different areas um, when I met him. So we dated, fell in love so fast, of course. And within a year, we were finding ourselves ready to get married. And it was a fast year. It was a fast, fun year. And We got married in, let's see, now I'm going to have to think really hard. Married in January of 2006. I got pregnant with Noah in March of 2006. And during the summertime, if anybody remembers the 2006 time uh, for car dealerships, it was not a friendly time. And if you remember, like everybody was going bankrupt. They were talking about the big three, uh, General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler were all hurting. And so we found ourselves... In the midst of owning these businesses that were now not thriving, uh, not not worth what they were worth, and not only that, but things started unraveling really quickly. And because of the things that were happening in the economy, it started putting different types of pressure on each dealership. and And if you remember anything about that, people were just going, you know, belly up all over the place. So kind of the same thing. We navigated that as best we could. But by the end of that year of 2006, we had to sell those businesses. And we were lucky just to sell them for a loss. And we definitely weren't able to make any money uh, on on getting out of those businesses. So we decided that we were going to try our hand at real estate. And We were the stupid people that decided to buy a couple of houses in Florida in 2006, right after we got married. So we bought these homes in a gated golf course community, which sounds great, until they plummet and the value gets cut in half. So now we have houses in Florida that are worth half of what they were worth. We had mortgaged them, so we had bills that we were paying on those. We had losses from the car dealerships. We had obligations on other fronts um, that we were responsible for. And we found ourselves in a huge hole, like huge. And decided to move to Florida. Noah was born in December of 2006. We packed up and moved our family to Florida, the three of us, in February of 2007. So by 2007, uh, we moved into one of the homes that we owned And we're trying to figure out how do we sell these homes? How do we get out of this? And that was kind of the first of that whole foreclosure short sale era. And Dirk and I decided that we were going to do business with a brokerage there in town uh, where we were living in Sarasota County. And our first year in real estate, first six months in real estate did not go as planned. It actually sucked. It was the worst time to get into real estate. The market was crashing. Prices were plummeting. People didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. We were brand new to real estate. We were brand new to the area. And on top of that, we had Dirk get diagnosed with um, fatty liver disease. He hardly could get out of bed. He was really sick. He had a heart condition that they found. Noah was a newborn, uh, did not sleep maybe two hours at a time. He loved getting up all throughout the night. Bless his heart. Thank you so much. I think I learned not to sleep for like a year or two of my life, and now I'm not a good sleeper at all. Uh, I'll blame that on Noah, but not really. He's well worth it. So we had these questions like, well, what are we doing? Can we continue to do this? We had gone through every penny that we had, every. 401k I didn't have a 401k as a massage therapist but Dirk did um, being a business owner for years and years and years and basically came to the point where we had nothing and we had less than nothing we had a huge deficit and a huge hole and we had to have this moment that I mean it was it was not easy we had bill collectors calling us we had you know people showing up saying hey you're behind on these payments or you're you haven't made these payments or this person are saying that you owe them XYZ and when you just don't have anything to pull from or to give the only thing you can do is like sell all your possessions sell everything that you can try to get money however you can try to support your family in any way you can I remember date nights going to the little league t-ball games because they didn't charge for admission and literally walking Noah in his stroller and eating a hot dog at the ball game as our date nights And it was just those moments when you're in, when you're in that, sometimes they can seem so dark, but then you see all of this brightness too, that, you know, God had given us to this beautiful baby and he pulled us through those times. And together, Dirk and I had to figure out and navigate just the two of us, because we moved to Florida and we didn't have anybody there. And so we were all alone and together we had to, you know, come together and be strong and survive and i just think that that experience that i had and that we had together equipped us and prepared us and gave us a heart for other people that go through those same type of things and that now we can relate we can we have we have our own story but then we can also appreciate other people's stories and it's also a story of hope because not long after that we decided to go out on our own and we were going to we were going to start our own brokerage and of course we had failed miserably for the first 6 months we sold two houses between the two of us in 6 months so to say the least real estate was not working out for us and we'd spent all of this money investing in postcards and i mean we were knocking on doors and we were doing door hangers and you know whatever we could do to try to figure out how do we how do we make this real estate thing work and it had not worked So we decided that we were going to partner with um, somebody that we had met at the brokerage that we were with at that point. And then we had another lady there that was a sweet lady that happened to have her broker's license. And we basically just said, if we give you a sweetheart deal, will you be our broker? She's like, absolutely, I'll be your broker. And so the three of us, four of us, Dirk and myself, Russ Smith, and Phyllis Pritchard started our brokerage. And from that point on, God just blessed us. And there's no other way to really even explain it. Um, We worked really hard and we dug ourselves out of that hole slowly. It was not overnight. It was definitely hard, hard work. And in 2015, we had gone out on our own, even from our partners at that point, because in Florida, it's a very transient kind of area. And so they had moved back to different areas out of out of that particular place. And so we opened up Aaron Catron and Company. In 2015, we felt a calling to come back to Oklahoma. And it wasn't something that was planned. It was some family things that were going on um, health wise, that we just knew that we needed to be back with family. So in 2015, again, we picked up with basically nothing, very little and started all over again. And that is how we came back to Tulsa. We're not from Tulsa. And I love it when agents come on our team and they're like, "Well, I'm not from here. I don't have any, you know, I don't have anybody that I know that wants to buy or sell real estate." And one of the beautiful things about our team is that we just need you to be willing to help, have a servant's heart, be an advisor to your clients, and if you can come with that mentality, we can help you be successful. And so all of these experiences that I've been through in my life have shaped and molded how we set up our brokerage, how we set up our company, how we want to do business. And I just think it's, it's so, it's so, I don't even know the word crazy to look back on all of these things that have happened and transpired. And then to see now that we have one of the biggest market shares in any brokerage in Tulsa. We have a Rockstar team that is so much fun and people that can come in and connect and have a community and that you know, really have a place to be a part of. And then we have amazing people. I now get to work with my sister every day. I get to work with my stepdaughter every day. We have an amazing team of over thirty agents who all have the same mentality of that servant's heart and helping and looking at, we came, we came from a, um, Christmas party the other night with the team and we were all on this big bus. And when we pulled up in front of the brokerage and I've looked at the building and I was like, wow, like that's our brokerage. That's our office. And just to, to, to know that this is a message of hope. This is a message of, it doesn't matter like where you've been, where you might be now. Like you, you get to dictate what you do and how you decide you're going to pursue your dreams, how you're going to pursue the things that are in front of you, the advantages that you have that you can make sure that you're grabbing a hold of. So I know this is a totally weird podcast today, but I just thought it might be fitting, especially this time of the year when things can get darker for some people because this is a happy time of the year, unless you're not happy and it can be really sad for a lot of people so hold on to hope, hold on to the fact that it doesn't have to stay that way. And there are so many opportunities that if you look for them, those bright spots, they're there, even in the darkest times. So hopefully this wasn't a crazy, sad, weird podcast, but something that you can hold on to and listen to and know that you can do it too. And obviously if a little girl from Ripley, Oklahoma can figure out how to navigate life in a way that you can get out of those holes, out of those deficits, then you can too. And reach out to us. I would love to connect with you. I have people a lot of times that um, will, will want to reach out and go, hey, I didn't even know your story, but tell me how how do I climb out of these holes? And so just know that we're not here just as a resource for real estate, even though we'd love to be your go-to resource, but there's so many things that are bigger than that. And we want to just be a resource, period. So if you find yourself in a season of despair and you're looking for that hope, we'll help you. We'll help you find it. So hopefully you have a very Merry Christmas. I don't even know if this episode is going to come out before Christmas. But if it does, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.